The following is a For Vengeance Media production. is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal! And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Presented by Four Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey, on Silent Ice TV. Hello there, and welcome to Game Changers, the very first episode. My name is Dean Millard. It is my pleasure to be your host for this really fun show that we're going to tell you about in just a second. But first, uh, I have to tell you this. A NHL champion, a Stanley Cup champion, a WHL champion, an Ed Chanel champion, and a commissioner walk into a bar. It sounds like a joke, but... It's not. It's actually our first show. Yeah, we have some uh, heavy hitters on this opening show for Game Changers, including a Stanley Cup champion in Kelly McCrimmon of the Vegas Golden Knights. Definitely a Game Changer, winning a Stanley Cup with an expansion team faster than anyone in NHL history. And as you'll hear, he thinks that cyclical talk around junior hockey needs to go the way of the flip phone. Scott Ratzlaff, Seattle Thunderbirds goaltender, Buffalo Sabre draft pick in 2023, was hovering around the top of the WHL stats board last year, helped Seattle win the Edge and Out Cup. He is changing the game when it comes to the stereotype of goaltenders being aloof and solitary, as you'll hear in his terrific interview, plus some great advice for young goaltenders about preparation and what to do when you aren't playing. And Richard Nault, the commissioner of the Junior Prospects Hockey League sequel. Year two is getting underway. We'll find out how they changed the game and how they uh, did it last year and how they plan to change the game even more this year. So that is our first show. Uh, Looking forward to bringing you those conversations. Firstly, though, we do want to uh, say that we are thinking about a lot. Uh, the uh, Everybody in Canada that, that went through the the wildfire ravages this summer, it was just crazy, uh, from Yellowknife to coast to coast, uh, and certainly in uh, the Okanagan area where Okanagan HC is located. Uh, we were actually supposed to be there this week for a showcase, but hockey certainly takes a backseat to life. We hope soon hockey is uh, a distraction, a healing part of getting back uh, to somewhat uh, normalcy after uh, something like that, which I'm not even sure I can imagine. So to everybody that was affected by the wildfires across the country this year uh, and the world, unfortunately, uh, we're certainly thinking about you guys. Now, what is Game Changers? It's a show that will showcase and highlight the people across this great 
continent and world that are changing the game in a positive way. Uh, we really look forward to bringing you great stories uh, from people, not just about what they have done uh, at the very top, but how they got there. Some really good stuff uh, from uh, Kelly McCrimmon that you will hear and Scott Ratzlaff on his preparation. So we want to bring you stories from youth hockey in our future file, uh, from the junior leagues in our junior life and the top of the game in our pond uh, from the pond to the pros segment. So that's a little bit about uh, what Game Changers is. Let's get it going with a man you will see in arenas across Western Canada doing any job needed. We'll find out what's on tap for the Junior Prospects Hockey League in year two. Extremely pleased to welcome in the commissioner of the Junior Prospects Hockey League, Richard Nault, to the show. I guess for those maybe unfamiliar with the Junior Prospects Hockey League, can you give a bit of an overview as you guys enter into Season 2? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're, we're kind of calling it the sequel, right? So uh, we, we had a pretty uh, important inaugural season, and I think coming into this year, um, we're going to look to build upon you know last, last year uh, being that first year. We're, we're basically an elite high school hockey model uh, integrated into junior hockey, vertically integrated. So we're pretty proud of that. I think it's, it's pretty rare in Canada to see uh, a youth hockey uh, league that is, you know, on so many different levels tied into junior hockey or that next level. So, you know, our, our goal is to get coaches, players, uh, all stakeholders involved in the game from broadcasters, camera people, uh, officials, uh, absolutely everybody to that next level if we can. So we've, we've basically built a model that infuses the academics with athletics. Um, I think the unfortunate reality today is, is that a lot of other models that exist in the sport uh, focus on, on today only and, and even unfortunately some focus on just yesterday. We're here, you know, we're, we're concerned about the current, but we have our eye on tomorrow. We have our eye on the future for these uh, student athletes and whatnot. So we've built a program that's heavily infused uh, with that in mind and and it kind of guides all of our decision-making processes along the way. As far as the, uh, you know, game to game, um, you guys have a a showcase format. So explain that. And then uh, the, the, the two big events that you have the winter championship and the playoff format. Absolutely. You know, the showcases are probably one of the, the, I think the more, one of the special elements to our league in the sense that, it's all about that in-game experience and, and it's all about the athletes. It's about the families that are, you know, watching them and stuff like that. So what we do is we bring all our teams into a central location and we create sort of that community vibe. It's, it's like a jamboree. Um, the, the, for the most part, the games that are before you or after you are all, are all connected within the league. They're either in your division or they're in the league or they're even part of your hub. So there's, there's an engagement that way where we're creating relationships. You're going to see your watch peers develop through the season and watch other teams grow through the season and things like that. Whereas we find in a lot of other hockey models, it's a bit more isolated. You know, you're going to a re, uh, uh, an arena on a weeknight and, and maybe it's a little sporadic where there's a public skate or a, a figure skating session before or after. And there's no connection and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we think we can, do something better in terms of our delivery of the sport uh, and the experience that we're providing in the, in the JPHL. So um, yeah, this year, you know, we've, we've learned from last year, uh, especially growing to the size we are, uh, you know, in our second year, um, what we're doing now is we have regionalized showcases and we also have full ones, which are interprovincial. Um, and then beyond that, we have special events like the winter championships that you mentioned. And 
what we do there is we basically introduce a championship tournament format into the middle of the season. Um, I think it's a lot of fun for the families and, and the players and athletes and the coaches and, and us as a league um, to, to basically plunk that right in the middle of the season. And, and uh, it's, it's intense, it's competitive, uh, but it's, it's a pretty cool atmosphere. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the, uh, the, the tournament aspect comes in in something like the winter championship and the playoffs. Uh, but the rivalries, I, I really agree, uh, seem to build and teams could get stronger and stronger last year as the season went on. First season, I thought was very successful, but so smart to say we can be even better every season. And that also comes with some rule changes. You guys have tweaked a, a few things this year. I love uh, that it's going to give us on the broadcast a little bit more time in some situations. And the goal, I know, is always to make these kids ready for the next level, whether that's hockey or life. Uh, and how do you think Think some of these rule changes and what are they uh, will impact the game well we said we wanted more deans so we're, <laughs> we're throwing in a we're, we're throwing in a media timeout into every game around that 10 minute mark of the third period and and, and with all honesty it's 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 going to create a um i think a couple different layers of love for us i think from a player's experience aspect in game it'll be pretty cool to be on the ice in game and, and kind of have that reset that that predictable reset moment within the game where you can just come back to the bench and, and regroup as a, as a team. Um, we don't allow uh, line changes on the, in a normal timeouts. This is a timeout that coaches will be able to leverage at, uh, being able to line change. So I think it's going to introduce some different elements and strategic elements for the coaches as well, not just the players. Uh, and as well as give our, our media team a, a, a little breather, a little break to recapture things and, and set the moment for usually what's, going to be some of the more exciting moments in a hockey game, which is that last 10 minutes as they boil down to the buzzer. Um, hybrid icing with no line changes is coming in. And then we'll be tweaking some other elements where maybe we're, we're throwing in. We've always been pretty proud of our progressive rule book. Um, things like giving officials a bit more discretion on the ice. A lot of infractions will come with an option for a referee to go two-minute minor, five-minute major in-game where the athlete's not being kicked out. And then obviously the five minute major with the game injection. So, you know, we'll probably introduce that a little bit and, and, and tweak some of the other rules as we sort of found that, you know, as the league came out and we dropped the puck in our first year, um, let's face it, you don't know what it's going to look like before you drop that puck. And so, uh, again, we're, we're going to learn from last year and just keep making improvements. And, and that's the beauty of what we can do. We can pivot, we can tweak, and when we see it's going to benefit the athletes the most. And, and honestly, we take that and we use it, we take advantage of it, um, and we're not afraid to make change. I like that the first part of the schedule, and it's quite interesting, uh, not Calgary, not Edmonton, not the Vancouver area. You're getting out to Lloydminster, you'll be in Lethbridge, uh, Williams Lake. I'm, I can't wait to get up there. Uh, just maybe explain that, and, and I'm guessing it came from those hubs wanting the JPHL in their backyard. Oh, absolutely. I think we're very fortunate that we've we've got a really strong family and and we consider them family within the league. I think we're 90 strong in, in terms of staff and whatnot and personnel. And we've got the infrastructure and, and, and the commitment that we've we've built the JPHL no different than a, a professional or a junior league in that sense. And so at the end of the day, everybody's very committed. Everybody's very proud. But at the same time, it's also something where we want to go into these communities and we want to be able to share that. We want to be able to showcase uh, our athletes and, and these hubs and these teams and whatnot. So um, it gives us that ability to kind of 
go into these communities and, and kind of share the Junior Prospects Hockey League with them. Yeah, and, and I think it's going to be so fun. Like I mentioned, I can't wait to get in and, and you know, meet some of the people that are uh, on the on the ground in those organizations that are making it tick. And then uh, October uh, is when the first Edmonton area event happens. And you mentioned that the uh, beautiful, I, I say state-of-the-art, isn't even going to be able to start to describe uh, what will be the jewel of the West in this south uh, or Silent Ice Sports and uh, Entertainment Centre in the south side of Edmonton in the NISCU area. The anticipation for that opening, and, and we've been able to get a bit of a sneak peek at times, but, you know, that first showcase to really show that off to the world, you know, the anticipation is already building for me. What about you? Oh, I I can't wait. I mean, obviously, we've both been through the arena at different times through construction, and um, it's it's impressive even when it's not complete. So I can't imagine when you, you put the people inside the building and, and a live event and, and, you know, you infuse that competition into the building like that. Um, you know, just think about our playoffs and our championships from last year. Uh, it was a remarkable environment that, that, you know, we got to experience and live. And, um, man, you, you put that in the Silent Ice Centre and it's going to be off the charts. I cannot wait. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, also should mention, and, and you touched on it, the renovations going on in Morinville, and I was able to go out there and check that out, and, and that'll be the Titans home arena. The HC Edmonton will be at the, uh, the Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment Center, and I think the great thing about both of those is that those teams have their own home, and the dressing rooms are spectacular, and it's going to, like, what kind of motivation is that to want to get to that big pro-style dressing room for these kids? I mean, that's, that's something that will motivate them, get to that U18 level of those teams and and i just think it gives just an extra special touch to this league when those people and those teams have their own place to go i think it just shows the commitment to the league and to these athletes right and again we we do things for a purpose and a why and and it's all about preparing these kids for the next level now when they walk into a junior dressing room well hey they might say this is we're actually stepping down who knows (laughs) but you you know at the end of the day they're not going to be as intimidated and maybe, you know, as in awe of their surroundings when they get to the junior level. And I think once you can do that, it's not that we're trying to take away all the special aspects and this and that and kind of, you know, burst their bubble or anything like that. But I think at the end of the day, when you can remove those distractions from the athlete, they can go out there and just focus on performing. And when they can do that, they have a better chance of either making a difference out on the ice or making a team or whatever it's going to be that they're striving for. So again, you know, you can take our interviews that, that you do, Dean, with, with our players and, and your team does with our players before games, in game, post game, uh, same with our coaches and stuff like that. And again, there's, there's a why, there's a purpose to those things. It's great. It's a great, you know, tool for them to learn how to and get comfortable with public speaking and everything, because that is something they will lean on for the rest of their life on end off the ice. But at the same time, it allows them to go into that junior atmosphere and not be as intimidated having a microphone shoved in their face or be on camera. Okay, so I know you guys are on to the sequel, but in order to promote the sequel, you have to take elements from the very first movie and and let people know. So what did you love about the first edition of the JPHL as we head into the sequel? Oh, man. Um, I'll never forget the first showcase, for one, in Calgary. Uh, You know, just, it was U14, and uh, again, like I said, when you're in your inaugural year, 
you have no clue what you're going to get. You know that the grind was real. You know that you got unbelievable hockey people in a lot of different communities that are, um, you know, come to the table with a ton of passion. But until you drop the puck, you just don't know. And that puck dropped. And there were several times that weekend where it felt like it was playoff time in April or March. Um, it was big, fast, physical. Um, it, it was fantastic. So for me, that first showcase definitely is a, is, is, is a core memory from last year. Um, you know, the playoffs were incredible. The, the production, um, the, the atmosphere in that arena was electric. Um, it was tense. Uh, you know, the playoffs had a bit of everything. They had some upsets. They had some series that went the full distance. Um, you know, your team did an amazing job, Dean, with, with the entire production, and it was a big one. You know, us having the white rabbit on the ice and stuff like that was really cool. Um, so a ton of things came together, um, you know, to see the size of that production and the, the broadcasting room that you guys, you know, worked in and worked on uh, was remarkable. And um, so I would say the playoffs, uh, obviously the winter championships was, was a big event. Um, and the draft series was really cool at the end of the year. Um, it, it was just a, a completely different vibe, a completely different twist on the season. But I think it was the, you know, for our first season was a great cherry on top of, uh, of everything. Yeah, it, it was a different vibe, but the hockey was still really good and, and guys were shining. Yes. Uh, Malachi Batista scored four goals in the one game. I mean, it was it was so fun to watch. And, you know, the Winter Championship was was great last year. Uh, the, the plans that, that we have led by uh, Four Vengeance President uh, Brandon Ewan Chishin is uh, it's, it's going to be so much better. I can't even wait. Uh, don't want to give anything away, but it's going to uh, really, really be amazing. Um uh, speaking of uh, the the reactions that people have, how about the scouting reaction? Uh, you know, I know I talked to several scouts in the arenas last year uh, that really enjoyed the product, um, and and the fact that the broadcasts, in you know, in my humble opinion, were so good, uh, it enables the scouts to do get so much more information. What was the reaction from them? Yeah, I think you know, I think they came in and they were a bit surprised. Uh, by the quality and level of play. I think for them as well, it was natural. They didn't know what to expect. For them, it was just, it's another league. It's another arena that they got to go to. So, you know, things are getting a little bit spread out for them. So, you know, at first I think they came into things thinking that maybe it would be more of an inconvenience than anything else. But, um, you know, we're a league that's very involved. We have boots on the ground. Uh, we're at the showcases. Um, you know, we're not just booking arenas, sending teams a schedule and booking officials and sending this thing. Um, again, it's connected. We're involved. And so uh, I sat with a lot of scouts and watched a lot of hockey last year. And, and I think they appreciated the integration. I think they appreciated the relationships. Uh, we've got VIP rooms set up for the scouts and GMs or the owners of these teams that come and visit us regularly uh, where they get to sit in the room. And, you know, one of the things last year, you know, when we're talking about memories and stuff like that was the camaraderie. Um, this isn't a, a it's a competitive world. There's no doubt. Every sport is, whether it's soccer, golf, or, or any anything. Baseball, hockey is very competitive. Our league is very competitive. Um, and, and we got a lot of ex-professional athletes and, and guys that have accomplished a lot on the ice and, and off the ice. Um, and that competitive flame still burns strong, right? But at the end of the day, we definitely have um, a camaraderie, a, a brotherhood, a sisterhood. And, and so I think the scouts got a piece of that in those rooms where they got to visit with a lot of coaches and and coaches would talk about other opponents, players in our league, because we, we actually encourage that. 
Um, you know, I had a co I had a call today earlier today with a brand new coach coming into our league with one of our new teams, uh, the Kootenay Hockey Academy, and you know a lot of excitement with that, and, and just a great guy. Um, and, and one of the things I said to him is, yeah, it's it's a little different in a JPHL arena in the sense of the camaraderie that's there. You're going to get to know all the athletes by first name in your division at the very least, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of others, because you're going to be around them. You're going to see them warming up before a game. You're going to see them warming up, or sorry, cooling down after a game. Um, so, you know, I, I think the scouts uh, fed off of that and, and realized that, and we're definitely on, you know, like I said, boots on the ground. And so we're there to unlock those relationships for the scouts. It's not just up to them to go on there, figure things out, take some notes. We're there to answer questions. We're there to make introductions to parents. Uh, you know, if they're attending a showcase or to the players, we'll, we'll go in there and pull a kid out of a dress room to make an introduction. And we think that's really important because, hey, it's all about the people, right? And, and so if we can make those connections, I think we're, we're doing our athletes uh, a service as well as the scouts that are attending. And, um, you know, I look back at our attendance and it was strong last year. Um, we had a huge presence from the scouting community uh, from, from you know, the BC League to, to the Alberta Junior Hockey League and the Western Hockey League. We even had a couple NCAA universities mm. spend a weekend with us uh, unannounced that, you know, we didn't realize were showing up. So, um, yeah, lots of great surprises. And I, I love the, uh, you know, you have the winter championship, you have the playoffs and, you know, some different events. I know the uh, team went to Nashville last year representing the JPHL. Mm -hmm. So there is, there's a lot of the draft series. So I think there is a lot more than just every weekend going to uh, play and then you have a playoff championship and then your season is done. There's so much more involved in a season, um, you know, with, within the JPHL than just hockey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll we'll continue to to evolve from an eventing uh, side of things. You know, this year we'll have the top 20 challenge that we're going to share with the league um, where it's going to be a, a Canadian and, and American type event uh, in the U.S. Uh, we'll be bringing a number of teams down there to compete. We'll be going back to the Worlds in Nashville again uh, with the JPHL Selects group uh, so that they can have that special experience. Uh, they had a great uh, competitive uh, time there this last spring. So uh, we will be doing that again. And uh, obviously the winter championships are coming back with a vengeance. So uh, looking forward to that too. You betcha. I cannot wait uh, for all of that to unfold. And we're only on the uh, the first weekend right now. So uh, it's going to be so much fun, Richard. Can't wait to see you uh, out and about and uh, mingling with everybody and watching some terrific hockey. Thanks so much for joining us on the maiden voyage here on Game Changers. Thanks, Dean. Uh, fun chat with Richard as usual, and there's more from uh, Mr. Nault as well. Uh, you can check out silenticetv.com. Uh, head to the Game Changers section, and there you will find uh, all of the full interviews from today's show. Uh, but Game Changers Plus is where you can find some extras with Richard Nault. We chat with him about a busy offseason, expansion in the JPHL, and what it is like seeing their players graduate to the next level. As for this year, the season gets underway this Friday, September 8th to 10th in Calgary at the Great Plains Recreational Facility. It's the U17, the new division, and the U18 division 
And that is going to be a really fun week and I, a weekend rather, and I can't wait to get down there. I will have the call. You can come out and check out the action live at Great Plains Recreational Facility, or you can watch from the comfort of your own home or wherever you want on silenticetv.com and check out the action on silenticetv.com. The full schedule is there. Let's get into junior life with a guy now who is the last line of defense, but at one point wanted to be a guy in between periods making the ice look good. He's also a WHL champion who has had quite the 365 days. Very pleased to be joined by Seattle Thunderbirds goaltender, now Scott Ratzlaff, also a draft pick of the Buffalo Sabres, uh, WHL champion. It's been quite the eventful summer for you, Scott. Thanks very much for taking some time for us here on Game Changers. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, when you look back at the the past year, and I guess we should start with the 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 Holinka Gretzky and 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 everything. Is it still a bit of a blur because you won and you won a championship? You had such a good season. Just when you think back on the year, is it? it can you think of different moments that are clear in your mind, or is it all kind of one big blur because so much happened? Yeah, I think you got it there with a little bit of a blur, but. Honestly, this year has been such a memorable time for me since you talked about like the Halenka and winning the championship and going to the draft, going to the combine and all those, you know, events like it, it goes by fast, but you know, you kind of learn to enjoy the little moments and the little times with the teammates you got. So it's been a blur and it's gone by quick, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. So. Well, let's kind of start with uh, the the Thunderbirds in the season, and, and you talked about your teammates. So you and Thomas Millich, one two in goals against average, one and four in save percentage, one and two in shutouts, and you're split down the middle uh, with games. How competitive are you guys with each other? Um, you know, not wanting the other guy to fail, but just wanting to be the guy. And little games that goalie partners play in practice or even off the ice. Is there a pretty good uh, fun competition with you guys? Yeah, you're exactly right. There's that ton of a uh, competition between me and Milik, and it just makes the practices and workouts and anything along the lines of that just so much more fun and so much more competitive. He's a guy that, you know, I look up to a lot. He's a great role model, and he knows he takes it as a pro, and he does things the right way, making sure he completes his workouts the right way, not cheating any sets or Let's say there's a smaller game. It's always a competitive edge. It's never just whoever has this goalie is going to win. So I think it's been awesome. And we know we've grown together as goalies, but also as people. And I'll try to hang out with them as much as I can through the summer and the years moving forward. And I think that's just a friendship that you'll never forget about. I think hockey's a big way to, you know, your teammates turn into lifelong friends and buddies and you invite them to your weddings and things like that. So that competition, but also just being around him every day to learn new things and how to handle myself more maturely has just been awesome, and I'm grateful that he can be a part of that. And you guys both drafted uh, this year to, to share that experience as well. Very, very uh, close together. Um, maybe describe that 12-game stretch you had uh, while he was at the World Juniors. Uh, I think you went 9-2-1, and one, three shutouts. One of them was back-to-back. Uh, goals against average under two, a save percentage over 930. I mean, that uh, is is 
as good as it might as you, you could almost get. What do you remember about that stretch in particular? Yeah, I think that was just a time for all the guys to step up, not only me, you know, with the guys going away at World Juniors, guys who are usually playing a third-line role have been promoted to first-line and power play and things like that. So I think it was just kind of a a mutual kind of agreement that, you know, we got a chance to step up and make our mark here in this month of uh, December. So just going through that, it was a great time to get more of the load, more of the net, and to see what it's like to play that back-to-back Portland-Everett weekend. So learning to handle that many games in that short a span, and also, you know, when my opportunity comes, I want to make the most of it, so. Same or different groove at the uh, Holinka, uh, where you wore the Maple Leaf uh, and led Canada to a uh, gold medal, 4-0, 0.5 goals against average, two shutouts. little different because it's a shorter tournament, but the same kind of feeling did you have? Yeah, I think it was kind of that similar feeling where you were staying in that groove. There was You were playing lots. You There weren't a longer span of time between games, so you got to feel it. There wasn't many practices and like you said in that short-term competition you just have to be playing the right way at the right time so just comparing that to the month of December there it just happened to you know work out and both times the teams were just playing amazing in front of me we came together as a group and that's huge in a short-term competition like that guys from all over the WHL and OHL and Q and things like that so just that ability to come together as a team was huge in those parts. Uh, let's go back in time a little bit. When did you know uh, that goaltending was a position you wanted to play? Oof. I think it was quite a long time ago. Originally, I didn't really like hockey. I wanted to be the Zamboni <laughs> driver. So that changed over time. I, you know, I just remember my parents taking me out to the outdoor rink in Irma and just kind of setting me out there to skate on my own. And eventually it just kind of became second nature. And then just, I have lots of goaltenders in my family. My uncle Mike is a goalie, my cousin. My dad's uh, dad was also a goalie during a time where they wore no masks, which I don't think I could do now. He's got a little bit more passion than I do if I'm going to be wearing no helmet. So, But I think just being that key role, you know, getting to play 60 minutes a night, not having to wait for a shift and things like that, don't want to be on the bench. So if I get the ability to play the full 60 minutes, then I'm going to take it. So, Have you been able to drive the Zamboni at some point in your life, though, and, and fulfill that lifelong goal? No, I haven't. Ooh. It's still on the bucket list. So I'll have to talk to some Zamboni drivers to see if I can get a lap in. Well, there was a Zamboni driver that played a game in the NHL very famously. So there are guys uh, that, that have experience in both. Um, you mentioned uh, a lot of goaltenders in your family. That means you have a lot of influences. Uh, is there uh, an influential uh, youth coach that you had as a goaltender that kind of helped you along your journey? Yeah, I think there is tons of coaches that guided me in the right way, both goaltending style and both just head coaches. I remember one guy by the name of Cal Fendele. He was kind of a spring hockey coach and I played on this team for five or so years and he was always just a guy that had confidence in me. And the first couple of years we had two goalies and by the end of it, I was the only guy throughout the season. So just kind of his ability to have confidence in me made me better because I knew that, you know, the team, the coaching staff all had faith in me. So 
that's one that I can really remember sticking out. And he just he knew how to get the guys going. I guess you could say he had the right relationship with all the players. So I can really remember him growing up. When was it that you thought, wow, I not only can want to play goal, but I have a chance to play junior and, and maybe the NHL. What Do you remember that moment where you're like, holy mackerel, this could actually happen before I was just playing a game? Yeah, I think it was a little later on that I kind of realized it was during my Bantam second year with the Lloydminster Bobcats. I remember going to a tournament in Regina and – Through that tournament, I didn't let in a goal, and I ended up playing, I think it was 220 minutes without a goal. So that's when I kind of knew that I was getting up to that level where those players are going to go somewhere in hockey, and I could uh, be a factor. So that was kind of a turning point where I thought, if I you know play this the right way, do the right things, I can make a career out of it. You played in the uh, Hockey Super League uh, with the Red Wings uh, Hockey Club. I had a chance to talk with your uh, old coach, uh, Daryl King. You know, he had so many great things to say about you and, and your family and, and the area where you grew up. But uh, you had the top uh, save percentage, and I think you guys won a championship. What was that year like for you? Yeah, I think it was just an awesome developmental year for me. And, you know, playing out of a Viking at the Carina there, it was only about 15 minutes from my house. So I think it was just convenient in every way. And I could say the same thing about Daryl. He was just a, a guy that he knew how to, to get the players going and how to have fun with it. And I can remember tons of small area ice games he would set up and he would also become a part of it. And just he was quite a good hockey player when he played so he could dance around a couple of guys. But just his attitude toward the game and, his ability to just have fun and get the guys going. So just that year in general was a great year for me. It was a big developmental year, like I said, and on top of that, winning a championship and hoisting the trophy. So I can't complain anything about that. Yeah, the trophy case must be getting pretty large uh, at the uh, Rackslap <laughs> household, and, th- and that's great. Only bigger things to come. But the, the the cool thing is, as you develop relationships, as you talked about with Thomas in Seattle, uh, but also relationships younger as a kid, as you're developing and, and maturing and, and bonding, and now you're playing with and against a lot of those guys on that HSL team in that league, and, and it's really neat to see the development continue and you you know facing guys that may have been on your team and, and now playing with guys that may have been opponents. What's that sort of situation like? Yeah, I think it's just great, and it's great for the league as well. You know, it's uh, when I was playing, it was an up-and-growing league. So, you know, having those guys that can be kind of a front-runner and come out of that league and show that anyone out of that league can play, you know, junior and pro and things like that, I think it's a great kind of lead for the for the league and just growing it. So, and then, like you said, having those guys, I know Easton Mannix, he was on my team and he just lives in Wainwright about 20 minutes away. And it's awesome to keep playing with him. And he's always been a great friend of mine. And then we have, I can remember Coster Dunn, Bryce Pickford all played in that league and now they're on the team. So it's, it's kind of cool to go back and talk about the younger times playing with those guys. Yeah. And 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 I, and the, something in the water in that area, as you mentioned, uh, some terrific athletes uh, historically out of that Viking Irma area and in the last little while as well. You know, what other sports did you guys play as kids and, and how important do you think that was to the general development? 
Yeah, I think that's a huge part. I think Irma's known for a big softball and fastball community. And it's nice because Irma's a well-knit place. I can remember going to the ball diamonds with my grandpa and painting fence posts and cleaning up dugouts and things like that. So having a small community like that just leads to a lot of volunteer work and having the right guys helping out will just improve the community as a whole. So getting back, I played a bunch of fastball, baseball, softball. I like to play badminton during school and things like that. So just not only goal goaltending and hockey, but those different sports help you with different muscle groups, uh, different sorts of training, running, quick movements and things like that. So just not sticking to one sport and having that kind of range of different exercises, different ways of using, using your muscles is huge. And then I also like to, to golf as well. And that's kind of a different side of hockey. You think of it as a high intense sport and then you can get off the arena and to the course. It's a lot more relaxing and less, less wear on the body. So it's, yeah. it's awesome to have that kind of contrast. Yeah, and still is very so strategic. I love that you played badminton, and I'm dating myself, but in the early 90s when I was, uh, you know, playing hockey, it was one of the things that we did in the off season for your reflexes. I think as a goaltender, when that uh, uh, that uh, shuttle is coming at you, man, uh, the birdie, you got to be so fast to, to get those reactions, and I think that's really a, a great thing for other young goaltenders to think about in the off season is start playing some of those racket sports where you really have to make quick reactive uh, movements yeah like you said it's, it's good about reflexes and movements but it's also strategy too whether you want to hit one deep into the court or just over the net and things like that so not only helping with the re- reactions but also making reads of what the other player will do and that translates directly to hockey as a defenseman forward or even a goalie so playing as many sports as possible and just seeing different types of kind of events and different ways things are happening so it's huge uh, you're calm, very cool uh, in the dressing room. You, but I've been told you, you know, when when you know uh, it's game time, it's go time. But you're not one of those guys that people can approach you. And uh, from from what I've seen of you on tape, very calm in the crease. Is that a family trait? Is that something that's kind of instilled with you from the parents on down? Yeah, I think it's definitely a family trait, but also just learning to look at the game the right way. There's a separation between off ice and on ice. There's certain times where you can be that jokester, be that guy to hang around with your teammates and your buddies. But then there's also that second side where the ice is where, you know, the important down to the focus, I guess I could say. That's where it's important to kind of separate that because you don't want those, I guess, jokes and kind of loose feeling to slip into your game. And that's where it, mistakes can be made so just learning to separate between you know having fun hanging out with the guys and of course you can have fun playing hockey as well it's not just all serious I got to do this got to do that kind of thing so just making sure that when the time comes you're in the right mindset to perform well yeah, and, and but, you know, when you get to a level of, of junior or, or high level of hockey and, and it's what you want to do uh, for a living, it it's becomes a, a, a bit of a job. And there's no reason you can't have fun at your job. This is my job. I love it. This is one of the best jobs ever. I get to interview uh, people about hockey. So you can take that business-like approach and still have fun in getting your job done and know when, when it is to be serious. So I love that attitude that, you know, other young kids can have. And I, I'd love to know 
know about warm-up. I'm always curious about uh, guys in, in warm-up. We've got some shots of you kind of getting ready before the game here. What goes through your mind? What do you want to accomplish before the game, during warm-up, and then right before the lights come on and puck drop? Can you take us through that? Yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, showing up to the rink, that's kind of when – you know, you turn it on, it's got to be kind of that focus mentality. And my goal there is to just warm up, make sure I get my reflexes going. I like to use a lot of uh, racquetballs and juggling, throwing it against the wall, things like that. Just something that I can do to warm my hands up without the needs of getting shots. So, And then just making sure I do my exercises, my stretching and to make sure my body's loose. And then, you know, like you showed on the film there, leading up to going onto the ice for – on ice warmups. It's just making sure that I have all the right, uh, have the right mindset, making sure that I have certain, I'm holding my edges long. I'm staying tall, not going down too early. So just kind of reminders of what has gotten me here and what is working well for me. So, and then just on the ice, I have a certain routine to get my edges warmed up, get my skating down. And then from puck drop, it's just clearing all the outside noise that building can get pretty loud since we have the greatest fans in the WHL. Nice. So just separating that from uh, the outside noise and all kind of the doubts that I may have, you know, am I going to make the save what's going to happen and just separating that and trying to stay present and in the moment and just think, you know, whatever happens, whatever has led me here is going to help me along the way. So just staying in the moment. And then having a consistent mindset so that if, you know, maybe your warm-up was off, you're not thinking, oh, man, this is terrible. If you if you keep everything consistent, no matter whether it's good, uh, bad, or, or in the middle, it's it. I think that really helps. What about when you're not playing? Are you scouting for yourself? Are you watching the other goalie for your forwards? What's your sort of uh, not playing? Because you also have to be ready to go in at a moment's notice, but uh, what's your non-playing game? Because that's also something where, you know, other kids can learn and develop and, and, you know, hone something and maybe it helps them. Yeah, I think definitely the bench is not just kind of a punishment. It's a learning process. It's a learning experience as how can I watch, let's say, for example, Milik. He's making certain plays that I can implement into my game. He's making certain reads he's shoulder checking he's making sure that he is knows where everyone is at all times and then also for the shooters watching the other goalies because you know you being a goalie you know what their weakness is maybe they're holding their glove too high or too low maybe a certain spot is open most of the time so if I can help my teammates in any way of scoring I will definitely do it so just watching you know the other goalie whether it's on my team or off my team seeing what I can use for my own game and then also what I can help my teammates score more goals. So yeah, that's the uh, name of the game. You guys obviously did that uh, very well last year, winning a, a WHL championship. What's your August uh, training schedule? Where kind of are you right now as far as getting ready for the season and training camp, which is not very far away? Yeah, I think just this summer I've been in Wainwright with Adam Huxley. He kind of runs a uh, workout program out of the curling rink, and that he also runs Pep. So I think, you know, I skate three times a day or three times a week, sorry. And then I work out five times a week. And that's just, it's the pep may not be the most goalie oriented thing. It's a lot of shots from the hash marks, but anytime you're on the ice, you can learn something. And whether that's a lot of shots or whether that's a couple with a goalie coach, the 
you know, what I've learned going through the leagues is the teams, the scouts, they want you to be the best goalie coach or the best goalie coach for you because you know what works for you, what feel comfortable, what feels the most comfortable. So being able to be put in different situations through pep and different ways people are shooting is huge because you can always improve on your game, whether that's staying a little bit taller or holding your glove a certain way differently to see if you can get that low one. So anytime you're on the ice, there's always something that you can improve on. And then it's, it's just up to you to take that responsibility. Well, uh, you have certainly been fun to chat with, Scott. Really appreciate the time. Uh, best of luck uh, this year. It's going to be another big one for you guys uh, in Seattle. And uh, all the best to going forward uh, with the Buffalo Sabres. Thanks so much for joining us here on Game Changers. And our thanks to Scott Ratzlaff and the Seattle Thunderbirds for uh, helping set up that interview. You can check out uh, one-timers with uh, Scott Ratzlaff on silenticetv.com. And check out the Game Changers section. Uh, It will be a lot of fun. I guarantee you he had some great answers. As for the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds, uh, they get it going this weekend in the preseason. 3-3. and And then September 30th is the home opener where they will unveil the Ed Chenoweth Championship banner. Speaking of banners being raised, that's what the Saints will be doing on the 15th at Grant Fear Arena, 7 o'clock start as usual. There will be a banner raising, a lot of old friends. Uh, Spruce Grove in Camrose to wrap up the uh, preseason tonight. And then on Friday, September 8th in Sherwood Park. And as mentioned, the home opener with a big party uh, celebrating another championship season last year. Another North Division championship season last year. And speaking of parties and championships, we're going to talk to a man who had one this summer. Our Pawn to the Pro segment features a Stanley Cup champion who also played on one of the most dominant junior teams in WHL history. And a guy who pulls no punches when it comes to talking about the cyclical nature of junior hockey. Kelly, thanks so much uh, for joining us here on Game Changers. Um, it's been uh, the, the best summer that you could possibly have, I'd imagine. Uh, the celebration uh, from Vegas to Manitoba and beyond, I guess, can, can and I, you've probably been asked this a lot, but can you put it into words what the, the celebrating has been and seeing other people so happy? Yeah, that's been a big part of it uh, for me, Dean, is just uh, how good you feel for so many of the people in the organization and uh, you know, right from the time we won and you're on the ice uh, with the team. And then, you know, as you go through the different uh, different stages of it, of course, as a manager, you don't have a lot of time initially because the draft is, uh, you know, coming up in late June and free agency. So you've got some decisions that you need to make uh, with your roster. But then, you know, in July, um, you know, just with, uh, you know, even just seeing on social media, uh, as players enjoy their day with the cup and, uh, you know, the happiness that uh, comes with that. Uh, we had our own day uh, with the Stanley Cup on July 21st, which uh, was, you know, tremendously, um, you know, special, meaningful, uh, you know, gratifying, just all of those, uh, all of those uh, adjectives that uh, you can imagine. And, uh, you know, now, um, you know, preparing for the upcoming season and and uh, and everything else as uh, as others enjoy 
uh, their day with the cup right up until uh, uh, the 15th of September. Okay, let's move to, to current day, and you're with the Vegas Golden Knights, and you know we've talked in the past about how you left school and were planning to farm almost, and then kind of a, a hockey job uh, came open. Do, do, you, do you think back about that now as a Stanley Cup champion that you, know, you could have had a great career as a farmer, but you might not have been left in Lord Stanley Cup? Well, there's a lot of reflection when uh, when you win a, a championship like we did, and you uh, you know really you know have an opportunity to, to uh, you know appreciate a lot of the people that uh, that are part of that journey. So for me, that's a lot of time uh, with the Brown and Wheat Kings, where I was uh, you know uh, here for 27 years. I, I owned the team for uh, three more years after that, but 27 years where. Uh, day in day out that was uh, that was what I uh, uh, was doing that was my passion that's what uh, I did for a living we owned the team so that made it really uh, special as well to own a junior team that you one time played for uh, with the successful teams that we had in Brandon uh, over those years and then so many of the people uh, as I uh, as I touched on that uh, that you remember and um, you know the text messages from uh, you know, former players uh, that, uh, you know, going back years and years that uh, really uh, are meaningful to you when, uh, uh, when you get them. And, uh, and then prior to that, as, as uh, to, to your specific, specifically to your question, um, yeah, when I graduated from the University of Michigan, uh, my, uh, I was married at that time uh, to my wife, Terry, and uh, our plan was to was to farm, and we moved back to uh, Plenty, Saskatchewan, which is where we farmed. We had a big farm uh, in that uh, in that era. Certainly, farms today are much uh, much larger, but in that era, it was a big farm, and that was what we wanted to do. We loved farming, and uh, you know, from there, um, my first two years back at the at the farm, uh, I ended up playing and coaching in the Wild Goose Hockey League, which is a senior league that was a, a really good senior league uh, in those years. Um, you know, that went well. I really enjoyed it. Then I had the chance to work two years in the Saskatchewan Junior League, one year in North Battleford, one year in Lloydminster. Uh, didn't interfere with farming. It was, uh, it was in the winter. And, uh, you know, there was never any debate or, or confusion as to what we were going to do. That was just something that we did uh, in, the, in the winter. So that was fine. And then uh, I had the opportunity to come to Brandon. And even when I came to Brandon, you know, I became the general manager of the Wheat Kings when I was 28 years old. And I still felt that we would end up uh, on the farm. I, I really, uh, I really did. And, uh, you know, then, uh, you know, I guess three years later, uh, we had uh, the opportunity to buy into the hockey team here. Bob Brunell, who uh, you would know was a great yep. uh, mentor to me. And, uh, you know, really, when I uh, talk about uh, reflecting back to people along the way, and, uh, and from the journey, um, you know, I, I don't have the opportunity to do what I did without Bob Cornell. It's, uh, it's that simple. So it was great uh, to have him at our party uh, as well when we uh, celebrated our day uh, with the Cup. So when I bought into the Wheat Kings, it would have been in 19, I want to say 1992. Uh, you know, that was when uh, it just sort of, I guess, firmed up or confirmed that we were uh, going to be uh, working in the hockey business uh, full time. We weren't going to be going back uh, to the farm. Our family still owns the farm. We rented out to uh, three different farmers uh, from the area. So uh, it was a, 
you know, a huge part of my life. And, uh, uh, you know, I uh, love the values that, uh, that I took away uh, from my time there and uh, would have been completely uh, satisfied had that been uh, the path we went down and it just uh, fate took us a, a different direction. And now, uh, you know, of course, I've been in the, in the hockey business for you know, 35 years. And, and as a, you know, a guy who learned over time as a GM, a lot of moving parts when you're a GM, especially, you know, in, in Vegas, are you ever satisfied with your team? Are you always looking to, to get better? Or if you get satisfied, is that when you kind of get stale? Well, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's interesting, just sort of the different things that you observe. So, uh, you talked about, uh, Brad earlier and, uh, Brad is a year older than me, and when uh, I got to Brad in my uh, first year with the Wheat Kings, it was his last year with the Wheat Kings, and, you know, our team, I think we lost five games, so yeah. our team was unbelievable, and, you know, for Brad, you know, even when we would win a playoff round, um, it was never, it was never a feeling like, you know, we'd, we'd reached the summit, we'd uh, accomplished our goal, it was always, uh, you know, there was another series to play, another series to play, and I even remember when we uh, beat Portland out uh, to win the WHL championship that year. Um, it was the same thing for him. We were we were wanting to win uh, the Memorial Cup, and he was always a pro. He was on some really good uh, teams as a professional in the NHL, and then they won in Calgary in 1989. And one of the things that uh, stood out to me at that time was how happy he was, and you know, for him, consciously or subconsciously. Uh, he, he never felt that, um, you know, the job had been finished until uh, you were a Stanley Cup champion. And that's why, you know, I still uh, can see the pictures of him on the ice in uh, Montreal where they won uh, the championship. And then uh, I'm tying the story together. Uh, when I saw the pictures of myself the day after uh, we won, uh, I, I got it. And uh, that's, uh, that's exactly how I looked uh, as well and how I felt. And I guess, uh, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, the, the business that we're in, there's only uh, one time where you can feel uh, that you got it right, that you did it. And uh, that's not to take away from a season that might have went real well, where you made great progress as an organization, where, uh, you know, you, you – exceeded expectation, you know, whatever, whatever those different measuring sticks are for a team in a season, there's really only the one time where, uh, where, you know, you did it and, uh, and you got it right. So that's, uh, you know, that's why, uh, you see, it was one of the things that struck me. I, I've made the comment, I've done quite a few interviews. I've made the comment that, uh, as much as you think, you know, what winning the Stanley cup is going to feel like, or you might envision what you think is going to feel like you have no idea because it's for me, at least it was so much more. And the thing that really resonated uh, with me was the joy on uh, our players faces on the ice, the joy uh, on their faces after uh, the game with the celebrations, with the different things that uh, the organization had set up for us. Uh, you know, the, the, the joy in the families, uh, the parents, the brothers, the sisters, the girlfriends, wives, uh, the joy that you saw in those people's faces. And I felt I could relate a little bit to how they felt because when uh, Calgary won the Cup in, uh, in 89 when Brad was there, you know, I was a brother to a Stanley Cup champion. So I was, you know, 
watching every game like it was the most important uh, you know game there ever was. You're you know you're you're attached and you're along uh, for the ride and and uh, you know uh, living and uh, dying with uh, with every moment of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So when I looked around at the families, uh, you know, uh, this past June, you know, I, I kind of felt that I could uh, relate to just how happy they were. So th those were sort of the takeaways. Uh, uh, for me that I've sort of put into perspective with uh, uh, with the benefit of a little hindsight. That's uh, that's kind of what uh, what stuck out for me. Um, the differences and similarities, um, what they might be from working in the Western Hockey League to the NHL, obviously the cycli uh, cyclical nature of the WHL and the, um, you know, pros being pros. But what are some of the similarities that you have found that are the same? Well, I think there's a lot of similarities. It was one of the things I was, uh, you know, eager uh, to see uh, firsthand when I started. I started in uh, in Vegas in 2016, right around this time of year. And uh, of course, you know, year one, I, I've worked in Vegas for seven years. We've had hockey teams for six, right? The first year was all about the expansion process and the the scouting and uh, and everything that went uh, with it. Um, our first year, one of the things that was appealing for me uh, with the opportunity to go to Las Vegas was the chance to build a franchise, build an organization from uh, from the ground up, started with a complete blank canvas, didn't uh, uh, have any people on staff. I was the first person on the hockey side that George McPhee uh, hired. We then put together, you know, a tremendous staff with lots of, uh, uh, you know, quality, quality uh, hockey people. They were in uh, in some cases, people I'd known many years, but no one was hired because uh, we were friends or we knew anybody. It was because they uh, had great careers in hockey uh, themselves. So we put together uh, uh, a great staff, and I think uh, you know I, the, there, there's so many similarities, quite frankly. And uh, the roster composition, what what a what a championship team needs to look like, I think is. Uh, you know, really parallels what, uh, you know, building a championship team. I, I know my last year here in Brandon in 2015-16, uh, we won the WHL championship. You know, you, you're, you're talking about the same things when you're assessing your roster, when you're, you know, identifying your strengths, uh, identifying your weaknesses, you know, looking to uh, improve your team. Uh, you know, how's this team going to be in the playoffs? How's this team going to be in a seven-game series? What type of depth do you have? Um, you know, are you are you good up the middle? Are you are you good on the blue line? Um, you know, for me in the playoffs, generally, uh, when a team loses, it's because you know it, it exposes their weakness. So either their you know top guys weren't good enough, or maybe their third line wasn't good enough. Maybe your top two lines were just as good as your opponent, but they had much better depth uh, in the third and fourth line. Maybe it's your third defense. Uh, uh, pair that uh, you're having trouble getting on the ice and you wear out your top two pairs. So a lot of those things for me uh, are really similar when we have discussions, you know, in our amateur scout meetings. I mean, it's uh, it's similar discussions to what uh, you would have if you were uh, preparing for a Bantam draft. The the thing with the NHL draft is it's, uh, you know, your, your seven rounds, not uh, uh, not unlimited like it is uh, in the Western League. So it's more of a premium on, on uh you know, your strategy and what you do with your picks and those types of things. But the the similarities are uh, very strong. It's still a people business. You have to uh, 
you know, manage a staff. There's way more people, but uh, you still have to manage a staff. You have to develop relationships with uh, with other general managers. In this case, there's 31 other general managers. In the Western League, there would have been, you know, 21. So that's uh, part of it as well. You need to, uh, uh, you know, have relationships with, uh, with people at the NHL office. You know, you need to manage your own uh, people. But the thing with uh, with the NHL is you've got so many good people around you, um, you you know you let them manage their respective areas too, right? And and that's where uh, we're so fortunate in in Vegas because our staff is uh, is absolutely uh, tremendous. It's one of the best bodies of work we've done since uh, since we got a, a franchise has put together uh, the staff that we have both on the pro side on the amateur side our development staff our hockey operations our analytics all of those areas that. Uh, uh, are so important. The difference, uh, as uh, as you're alluding to, uh, and you know, and even you say the cyclical nature of junior hockey, and um, you know, I always uh, felt in Brandon, um, we were we were able to avoid that. I thought, and I think that uh, you know, your, your players age out in Brandon if uh, they're done at 19 because they turn pro, or they're done at 19 because they. You know, aren't able to secure one of three 20-year-old spots. So you're always going to have some turnover. And what you try to do as a manager in junior hockey is, uh, you know, this is an oversimplification, but if you have, you know, you know, six 17-year-olds, six 18-year-olds, six 19-year-olds, three 20-year-olds, three 16-year-olds, you know, there's, there's your team. So uh, I think that, that, you know, how you uh, built your team, you know, you, you need – uh, those younger players that uh, fill roles, bring energy, uh, you know, you, you know, you, so you, you know, in the NHL, it's called roster churn. You, you're turning some people over uh, every year. Guys are going to then grow into more opportunity. And if you do a good job development, so again, the development piece is very similar, the importance of that. Uh, then you have players that are ready to, you know, assume those uh, positions. And then I think in junior, when you have a year, where you feel you've got a really strong team, maybe it's maybe it's uh, eight or nine 19 year olds. Maybe you uh, maybe you change it a little bit in a year where you think you've got a chance uh, to win, but you never are to the point, you know, where you're reckless. You have to, you know, you have to be mindful that, uh, you know, in, in junior you're living and dying with uh, the players you draft and your 50 player protected list. Uh, you know, players don't fall out of the sky in the off season. You're 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 you know you. If you miss a draft, if you if you do a poor job in a particular draft, or you do uh, you don't have you know sufficient picks in a particular draft, uh, that's just a hole in your depth chart until you know those guys you know you got a hole in the sixteen, a hole in the seventeen, a hole in the eighteen, nineteen, twenty uh, that you you know have to compensate some other way, which isn't easy, which isn't easy. So you know managing a junior hockey team for me, um, you need to make a lot of good decisions. You need to have uh, uh, you know, a big picture view, which, uh, which is important. And then obviously I, I coach lots in Brandon too. And, and, uh, you know, coaches have, uh, the here and now view. So you got to balance those types of things. So you, the point you make about cyclical, I, I take, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I think in junior hockey, that becomes a little convenient, quite frankly, mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, it's a cyclical business. Well, why, if it's a cyclical business, maybe, uh, maybe there's some things that uh, the organization could have done better to avoid, uh, you know, uh, falling into, you know, the depths of the bottom uh, place team. In the NHL, 
the salary cap is, is just, uh, you know, such a, uh, such an important uh, part of, you know, working in the NHL. Every single move you make um, is, is, you know, uh, certainly has to be uh, to fit in your salary cap. In many cases, the salary cap will, will dictate uh, what you do. So that part of it is, uh, is completely different. And, and uh, you know, we've got some really talented people in our organization that, uh, that you know, do fantastic work in this area uh, for us. Uh, from a, you know, a roster standpoint, we're trying to uh, build the roster we want to build and, uh, and then, uh, you know, be able to accommodate that uh, within our salary cap. So, you know, that uh, makes your judgment uh, on, you know, who gets contracts, who gets contracts for how long, um, you know, you, uh, you have the flat cap, which, uh, you know, everybody talks about, uh, you know, you know, everyone knows the term, the flat cap, but when you're living uh, uh, in an NHL organization, that flat cap, you uh, uh, is is really difficult to navigate and and if if you do no more than try to keep your good young players uh, in the organization as they come off entry level contracts and become restricted free agents which is what we had uh you know a year ago we had you know nick Hague, we had uh, zach whitecloud brett howden nick waugh um you know those are the guys keen colesar those are just some guys that come uh, to mind off uh, Logan Thompson, uh, some uh, Paul Cotter, there's some guys that were coming off of entry level that have shown us enough as young players that they deserve raises. So, you know, that money has to come for some, from somewhere. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, that really impacts uh, what you do. And those young people are so important, right? They were such a big part of our uh, championship team, those players uh, that I just mentioned. So that part's a big difference. And, uh, you know, I, I spoke, uh, you know, during the uh, pandemic, I spoke to a couple of junior hockey teams. And, uh, you know, the one thing I said to them, uh, you know, they're pros, they're great players. They still, uh, they still have stretches where they'll lose confidence. They still have stretches where, you know, they're, they're, they're no different than, uh, than the, you know, the 18 year old junior that you're, uh, that you're working with, right. There's a lot of similarities, you know, I like about hockey, you're dealing, uh, uh, you know, with the vast majority of players, you're dealing with really good guys and, uh, you know, they care, they want to do well and you, uh, want to try and help them. Well, Kelly, uh, it's been always a pleasure uh, knowing you from uh, the, the getting to know you from the time we did in in Brandon. Uh, I think a lot of Wheat King fans are excited that you went to a team that also has the same color scheme, so they don't have to change. I know my yeah. dad is excited about that. Although I will yeah. say the the Wheat King colors they might not fly as much for me in the Silent Ice offices with them having the Seattle Thunderbirds, who uh, you guys faced in the WHL final. But I know yes. uh, every everybody was uh, excited that you were joining us on the show. Congratulations on the uh, all the success that you've had and best of luck in the future with the Golden Knights and more. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, for having me, Dean. And I should have added uh, more Western Canadians than uh, any team in the NHL, 18 Canadians overall on our uh, Stanley cup uh, roster. So uh, we're well represented uh, in the WHL.
Always a pleasure chatting with Kelly McCrimmon, who is one of the most honest people in hockey. You ask him a question, he's going to give you an answer, uh, whether you like it or not, or anybody else likes it or not. We've got more uh, from Kelly McCrimmon at SilentIceTV.com. Just click on Game Changers. You can get the full interview with all of our guests. Uh, and then Game Changers Plus, we talked with uh, Kelly about uh, the summers uh, between winning and losing the changing of the game, and a really cool story uh, from his uh, brother Brad, about his brother Brad, uh, pardon me, the late Brad McCrimmon, who played 58 minutes in a Memorial Cup final one time. It's just uh, mind-blowing to even think that is possible. So thanks very much for joining us on our first show. Again, you've missed anything, uh, check it out at silenticetv.com. That is also the home of the JPHL, and you can see the upcoming schedule for this weekend in Calgary for the Junior Prospects Hockey League. Uh, Really, really excited about that and excited about this show. We have a future Hall of Famer uh, still to come on the show, as well as a two-time Stanley Cup champion will join us on the program. Uh, But next week, Kirby Doc of the Montreal Canadiens will be our guest. We will also get a AJHL preview with Brandon Ewan Cheshen, and we'll check out what's happening in the Kelowna region with Rod Hume of Okanagan HC. But big thanks, of course, today uh, to our guests that joined us, Kelly McCrimmon, GM of the Vegas Golden Knights, Scott Ratzlaff, Seattle Thunderbirds goaltender, and Richard Nault, commissioner of the Junior Prospects Hockey League. Thanks so much for joining us. I look forward to chatting more hockey with you every Wednesday here on Game Changers, the home of hockey on Silent Ice TV. See you next week.